0: Awesome. Praise the Lord, church. So excited to be with you all today. Has God been good to you today? Woo! Man, I think uh, I think I was about to sing myself hoarse on that last song. So I'm just oh, ready to go. The Lord is so good and he is worthy of our worship and praise and how blessed it is to worship with you all today. And our worship team does such a good job. Why don't we give them a, a round of applause as well? Before I had the pleasure of coming on staff here, I, I led in worship uh, for a number of years uh, in a previous church. And worship, the Lord has just stolen my heart uh, in those ways. And so I love being able to, to sing like that with you all. So praise the Lord. Listen, I, I don't know if we've got any newbies in the house today, but if so, I just want to say welcome to UBC. We are so thankful that you chose to worship with us today. Our mission as a church is that we would be making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ that know him and that make him known. If this is your first time, we just want you to know that uh, we're so grateful that you chose to worship with us, and we would love to get to know you. One of the ways that you can help us with that is by filling out one of those connection cards in the chair in front of you, or if you were able to get a visitor bag when you came in. We want to connect with you. And really, that's what, uh, that's what our sermon series is about right now, is about connections. Uh, connected, we do better together. Listen, in this season as a church, uh, we're seeing the chairs around us filling up and lots of new faces, and we're beyond blessed uh, to be in this season. But one of the things that is so important is not just attending, but connecting, So important that we come not just to uh, receive, but to give into one another's lives and to be connected to one another. One of our prayers coming out of this sermon series is that each one in our church would have someone that they are connected to on a meaningful level, transparent, open relationships where we're admonishing and loving and caring for one another, where we know what's going on in each other's lives. That is one of our prayers and hopes as we come through this sermon series is that you would get connected to an individual, a group, that you would find your people, right, who are helping you grow in Christ, that are helping you combat sin, that are helping you to walk in the Christian life, that are helping you through seasons of suffering, through moments of hardship. This is why we have the body of Christ, because we need one another and we want to stay connected Well, today is our second installment in the Connected Sermon series, and uh, it is We Do Growth in Christ Better Together. And uh, we were teasing about this while we were working through this sermon series. We were thinking, man, with the connection theme, it's like we need to go back to the book of Acts, huh? So we refrained, unfortunately, as awesome as Acts 2 would have been for this. Uh, Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, I would invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Last week, Pastor Jason kicked us off with this series, and uh, he shared from Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, talked about how we live the Christian life better together. The way that, that you and I are going to grow ultimately is through connection to Christ. Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, has to be at the center of all that we do as a church, so if we talk about building relationships and connecting with one another and we neglect Christ, we've missed it. So first and foremost, that identity in Jesus Christ that we talked about last week, really important. If you missed it, go check out that live stream uh, on our sermon archives on the website. We'd love you to uh, be able to receive uh, from Ephesians 1 and 2. But today we're in Ephesians chapter 4. And I want us to understand as we come to this text that Ephesians chapter 4 right here is a key shift in the book. The first three chapters are talking about identity and walking with Christ, the way that Jesus transforms you from the inside out, and then the way that we as a church come together and operate in loving unity across all boundaries. You have powerful unity with believers in Jesus Christ, Uh, who may have all kinds of different walks of life. They may not look like you, but when they have that transformative work from the inside out, there is a powerful unity that you can have with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's uh, some of the key themes in Ephesians 1 through 3. In verse 4 is the beginning of the application. Where are my application lovers in the house. I love application and how this works, right? I want to figure this out. I want to see how it plays out. I want to get real. And uh, Paul gets real here in chapter 4. And he says, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read through 1 through 16, uh, but we're going to really preach through the last few verses of, of this text. But I want to give us a full context here. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace, In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all of the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Would you pray with me? Lord, we just submit this text to you. We thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Allow your Holy Spirit, Lord, to communicate to us ways that we need to conform our lives to you. Lord, I pray that you would allow me to not preach or speak my own opinion this morning, but Lord, that you would speak through me and communicate your word clearly to your people today. Lord, we ask that this would come alive, shake off apathy, Lord, shake off distractions and help us zero in on you today by your power. In your name we pray, amen. As Paul starts to look here at Ephesians 4, we see that there are some key concepts that he's combating. And listen, this is highly applicable to you and I this morning. We live in a society that values the individual. American ideals push for us to blaze our own path, follow personal dreams, and be a self-made person. You're responsible for yourself. Pursue your own happiness and do what makes you feel good. These values have infiltrated our perception of what church even is. The collective American church has sacrificed doctrine on the altar of convenience. Local churches in every community compete for our attention and attendance in the same way Taco Bell and McDonald's vie for your business. Is this what the Bible calls us to be as gospel-centered believers? Our church experiences have become more about spectating rather than belonging. Watching a sermon or worship music instead of participating in a body of Christ made up of many parts. Pew Research at the beginning of 2023 found that more than a quarter of American Christians watch services online instead of in person. There's nothing wrong with watching a live stream, let me just say that catching a good podcast, or listening to someone preaching the word throughout the week. But is that it when the Bible calls us to belong and be known by other believers? The church is not a routine of religious services to attend. Rather, it is a relational entity to belong to. UBC, let us not conform to the accepted Christian isolationism that has become normative all around us. Mature Christians know their need for others and value the sharpening perspectives we receive from being deeply connected to other believers in a local church. Which brings us to the main idea of this text that I want us to communicate. The main idea of our sermon today is that we do growth in Christ better together. We do growth in Christ better together. As we look at our text I wanted to read through 1 through 12 so that you could understand where we were at. And then 13 through 16, I'm going to walk through this and give you some takeaways. We've got about two hours for this sermon, so buckle up. (laughs) Kidding. Just kidding. Uh, But I want us to zero in on on 13 through 16 and uh, have some key takeaways here uh, from the text and things that we see If you're wondering, Bryson, man, I thought that you were going to give me a good explanation on that ascending and descending thing going on there. Not really sure what that quotation is or what Jesus did there or what's happening. Well, I'm sure that Scott Dixon has a wonderful uh, explanation for you. So make sure to find him uh, after service or sometime. Give him an email and I'm sure he would explain it to you. Praise God. Uh, We're going to zero in on verse 13 and on down. Verse 13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. As we look at this, I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, point number one, our first principle is that we grow through unity in the church. So we've got four takeaways here, kind of as our roadmap as we walk through these these verses. But number one, as we look at this first verse, is that we grow through unity in the church. Unity is rife throughout this passage, and even earlier in the text, there's a lot of discussion about oneness, working together, being one with the Lord, being one with each other. It talks about one body, one spirit. There's a lot of unity conversation here. Now, I think it's really important to talk about even what unity means right off the bat, because a lot of people will say, well, we've got everybody in in the room here together, so we've got unity as a church. Mm-mm. Unity is not people gathered unity is unity of purpose unity of mission and working together for common goals so if you want an illustration you can think of an army moving together to accomplish victory you can think of a ball team coordinating working together to beat the other ball team listen when we work as unity as unified believers there is unity of mission unity of purpose and ultimately unity over the cause of the gospel, and agreeing that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that he died for you and for me, and took the penalty of sin that you and I could not bear. And that's what we're unified over. That is what we work together for, to see others experience and know Jesus in the same way that those of us who are walking with him know him. I want to bring in a couple Other texts to help you see some of these concepts in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians about a similar concept here related to unity. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2 regarding unity. He says, "...if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind." Listen, unity as a church comes when there's participation in the Spirit of God. When when you're walking in the light with others around you and following Jesus, that's where unity comes. Unity doesn't just come with a number of people coming together and saying, uh, we're gonna try to work together, but we won't worry about our differences. Listen, there are important things that we unify over as believers in Jesus. We unify over the gospel of Jesus Christ and his transformative work and capacity to be the change and hope that our community needs. The Lord is moving and working, and we have a responsibility to work together to bring that out. God cannot use our church if we are forever divided, if we're forever squabbling, divisive, inwardly focused. Listen, God wants to unify UBC. God wants to unify the global church to bring the gospel to many people who are hurting and in need. And if you don't know that there are people hurting in need, all you have to do is ask the Lord to open up your eyes and start reaching out to those around you. What is your part in unifying with the church? And what are you doing to participate in this mission? This is critical for us to think through and understand that you have a part in this. You have a part in this. It's so easy to sit back, as, as I talked about earlier, and, and spectate and take in and never act. Listen, what I want you to pray about this morning is that you would pray and ask the Lord to say, God, show me what my part is in this. Show me what my role is in the body of Christ. Show me how I need to stay connected and how I need to grow in my faith. The second takeaway from our text here comes from verses 13 and then in 14, and it's this, grow through knowing God. So Paul ties Knowing God directly into unity, which, by the way, that's not accidental. Unity comes through knowing God truly and rightly. Not just knowing things about Him, but knowing Him, walking in relationship with Him intimately. We attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. That's the goal. The goal is maturity in Christ. And here's the reason. In verse 14, he uses this word, so, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves. The reason that we want to grow in our knowledge together is so that we are not tossed around by everything that comes our way. What what Paul is articulating here is there is such a way in which we can live the Christian life where we are in spiritual adolescence and accept everything and anything that comes our way. And we just say, oh, that sounds good. I think I'll just uh, believe that. Cool. Without training ourselves in biblical discernment. Listen, we, we grow in our knowledge together, and we help one another know what it means to follow Christ. The author of Hebrews uh, talks about a very similar concept in Hebrews chapter 5, and here's what he says uh, to his audience. He says, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the, the basic principles of the oracles of God you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is why we want to grow and we seek to grow in our relationship with the Lord so that we can distinguish right from wrong. So we can distinguish what it means to follow Jesus and what it doesn't mean what it means to focus on a relationship with God and allow Him to train us and conform us instead of everything that we want and uh, what we think. Man, that child language there in Hebrew 5 as well is the same word that's used in our text in Ephesians 4, talking about spiritual adolescence, those who maybe have been a Christian for a while and the expectation really should be that you've grown and grown in discernment. I think a lot of us, maybe are stuck in seasons where we're not really actively following Christ or, or, or growing in the way that we'd like to. Listen, there are, there are seasons and times for moments of, of hardship and moments where we struggle, but listen, this is why we have to remain connected to other people who can help us keep going, even when it doesn't feel like we can Even though we don't know exactly how, we have other believers in Jesus who know us, know what's going on in our lives, and can help us continue to grow. Well, my family has adopted and taken in this mentality of loving children. And uh, my brother and sister-in-law who come to the church have five. Their fifth one just came. And uh, we're really excited about, about Bridget being here. And then both of my sisters are pregnant right now as well. And so we've got kids coming out all over the place, all over the wazoo. And uh, we're, we're beyond blessed as a family. Uh, but listen, I, I've got two nephews right now who both are two and are in the yes phase. And when I say the yes phase, here's what I mean. I'll, I'll ask them a question, and the answer is always, yeah. You know, what, what do you think about this? Yeah. You know, are, are you hungry right now? Oh, yeah. What about, uh, would you like to go outside and play? Oh, yeah. Uh, what, what would you think about this? Would you like to watch Dude Perfect? Oh, yeah. Like that's the yes phase right now. And uh, I love that yes phase because everything is new and exciting. And if Uncle Bryson says something, clearly that's a yes, right? Listen, I, I think it is, it is such a beautiful illustration of children uh, to know that in our faith, right? There are seasons when we have childlike faith, uh, and that's okay for a season, but don't stay there. You know, when, when somebody comes into our church and just accepts Christ, we shouldn't expect them to know everything, right? We shouldn't ex- expect them to have their uh, discernment lens developed yet, uh, but eventually, as believers in Jesus who are walking with the Lord over time, we want to grow to be able to distinguish and say, well, this is what is right, and this is What's wrong? This is where we want to go. This is where we don't want to go. Listen, this is what it means to grow in our faith and not to stay in that place of childhood. So what are some ideologies out there right now many immature believers are accepting as fact? Let's get real here for a second because I think that it's really important for us to talk about the dangers and the things that are out there that are regularly infiltrating the church. And that if we are not aware and if our antennas are not up, if we are not actively sifting through the word of God and trying to understand and grow and allowing our brothers and sisters in Christ to hold us accountable and to sharpen us, that we could very easily fall prey to. Did you know that in 2018, I know I'm hitting you with a couple uh, research polls here. But in 2018, once again, Pew Research showed 57% of Protestant Christians believed in some aspect of New Age mysticism along with their Christian faith. That would be astrology, psychic powers, energy and objects, or reincarnation. Isn't that wild? 57% believe in some aspect of that along with their Christian faith. And here's, here's why I think that that happens. I think that this, these things happen when we hear truths that maybe sound nice or that maybe sound good, and we're not allowing our minds and our thought processes to be filtered through the word and through depth of Christian community and maturity. When we don't allow ourselves to be taught and trained about what even the Bible says or what even Jesus taught, something might sound good and feel like, oh, that's an interesting vibe. You know, that sounds cool. can kind of go with that. What about the ongoing works-faith battle, right? We might say we believe in salvation by faith alone, but do our actions reveal that? Often we become consumed with a desire to work our way into pleasing God. Paul urges us to not put ourselves back under the law, thus nullifying the cross of Christ. As Brad Gump said at our last men's breakfast, Jesus saved me from religion, Amen. Listen, we serve a Jesus who doesn't call us into religious routine, but calls us into relational belonging. God wants to develop that in us and understand that we need to continue to grow and not just hit the religious routines. What about this one? The the Unitarian Church tells us there are many ways to heaven, and we can accept all religions because they have the same desire. To be a good person. But is that the gospel? Is that what Jesus teaches us? No. Actually, the Bible says something completely different. The Bible tells us you can't be a good person, and no one is good except Christ who takes our place. You cannot accomplish it on your own, and if you're forever striving, you will forever fall flat on your face. But the good news is that jesus doesn't leave us there in that place but through his transformative work he puts himself on us and takes our place that is the beauty of his work in our lives and in our hearts do you believe that and have you accepted that and is that enough right a lot of times our our american religion becomes how we can make ourselves enough listen you will never be enough without jesus when Jesus transforms you, only then when you see that identity and that transformational work inside of you, that is when, by God's grace, you are enough. Why? Because that's who Jesus says that you are. Bottom line on, the, on these scores, and I'll get off my soapbox here, I promise. Get connected to the body And don't be easily misled by many good-sounding doctrines out there that contradict the Bible and the very essence of who Jesus is. This is how unity happens, true unity happens, not by just saying we're going to reject knowing and just come together, but saying we're going to zero in and emphasize the truths of the word. What are we unifying over, church? How are we growing together? Number three, as we continue to walk through this contrast in Ephesians 4 is to grow through speaking loving truth. So if you look down at verse 14, Paul gives us the contrast between the child who's being tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And then here's the contrast. Here's what you and I are called to step into. Rather, speaking the truth in love We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So do you see this contrast? Do not allow yourself to be tossed by every new doctrine that comes down the pike. (laughs) There is one truth in Jesus, and he doesn't change just because new philosophies come out every day. Listen, we hold fast to the truth of Christ and his word. Human cunning and craftiness, deceitful schemes, they will try to wage war on your mind. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Here's the call, though. Rather speaking the truth in love were to grow up in every way. Let's talk about this phrase, speaking the truth in love. Now, I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard this a lot of times when people are just being overly blunt and not kind. Well, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just speaking the truth. Listen, important Aspect right here in love, right? Okay, the way that we speak truth into people's lives is through loving care and relationship and grace, not being right. There are far too many people who are consumed with being right and they forget that the call is not to be right, but to relationally win people to the gospel of Jesus. You're not called to be right, but you're called to communicate God's love to people in a transparent, honest way. The loving thing to do is to speak truthfully and to give them the gospel. And I think, as we think about truth even in the context of verse 15, I think speaking the truth is not even just honesty, but I do think it is specifically the truth of Jesus. Like stirring up in people around you what it means to follow God more faithfully To speak the truth in love in a situation is is when your brother is stumbling and you reach down and you pull him up. And you say, come on, we got to keep going, bro. We can't allow this to continue to pull you back. We got to wage war against sin and allow the spirit of God to convict and conform us to the image of his son. Speaking the truth in love. Listen, when I first uh, went to college, I was all about discipleship. At fervency, right at the beginning, led me to do some things in a brutal manner. Um, and, and I remember this, this young guy who had started coming to the church I was serving at at the time, and, and uh, he was pretty green. He had given his heart to the Lord, and I was like, all right, dude, I'm going to disciple you. We're going to get in the Word. Let's go. And uh, we started meeting, and I remember uh, one of the times where he was opening up to me about a lot of things going on in his family, uh, decisions that he was making. And I was pretty hard on him, honestly. I was, I was really hard on him and, and you know, decisions that he was making at that time. And, and you know I, I told the truth in that situation. But I would say looking back, it was not done in love. And I, I lost him. And I don't have a relationship with him anymore. Um, but I think that through that scenario, the Lord taught me that it's not about just getting into somebody's life and telling them what to do. <laughs> but I think it's loving people well enough and coming into depth of relationship with them and loving them enough to communicate in a way that shows that you don't think that you're better than them, um, that, but that you just simply want to help and that you're there to encourage, admonish, encourage, sharpen. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter three. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Listen, are you letting, the let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that's the growing in knowledge part. And then teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, that's the grow through speaking, loving truth part. So how are you allowing the word of God to to sink in, that you then activate it. And then it's it's taking root in your communication, in your time with brothers and sisters in Christ. Teaching and admonishing. And admonishment sometimes doesn't feel very good. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, listen, I I feel like you're missing it here. (laughs) That's hard. It's hard to hear that but it's really healthy if you can learn to receive it and not get offended. I think the the body of Christ would be a lot more blessed if we would get less offended and do more loving. How can you lovingly share truth with others around you? Do you have people in your life who will speak to you bluntly? I think that this is a really key point for this sermon series. To, To have an individual or individuals who you know they're going to call me out. They know me. They know when I'm bluffing. They know when I'm just putting on a fake face. Do you have those people? And if you don't, you need it. You need it. This is what the body of Christ is for. This is what the church is for. As I said at the beginning, you can catch a sermon online. Everything is so accessible now. But what you can't get virtually is you cannot get relationships. Deep connected, loving care that comes through the body of Christ. And when you love God, you will love his people. They're, they're intertwined. Your, your, your love for people drives your love for God and vice versa. You cannot love the church and hate God's people. It doesn't work. Who are you holding accountable? Do you do this in love? These are relationship things. Relationships can be hard, but they're so critical for our growth in Christ and being able to stir one another up. And here's our last key idea from the text. Number four, grow through building one another up. Grow through building one another up. And this is taken from verse 16. If you look down, he continues to talk about this body of Christ language that Jason unpacked for us last week from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love listen when when the body is not growing and this isn't numerically although it could be but it is a, a spiritual reality of growth when when they're growing that means that parts are working properly if if things are kind of out of whack, and we're struggling, and there's a bunch of stuff happening, that, that means something is not working properly in the way that it should. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body is called to build itself up in love. Who is the body? It's the believers. It's those who follow Jesus and are a part of a local church when you come into depth of community in a local representation of the body of Christ, you are that church. UBC is not this building. Although it is a beautiful blessing from God, UBC is its people. UBC is the the membership. When you come into a covenant community here, you then are that body. You are that church. Grow through building one another up. I love that last phrase at the end of 16, building itself up in love. Who are you building up in your life? Hebrews chapter 10, this verse was quoted like crazy during COVID time. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me point something out to you. The point of this verse is not just to meet, but what are you meeting to do? Right at the beginning, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That is the point. If, if, if we're not doing that work as a church, we've missed it. God calls us to gather, to be in each other's spaces so that we might stir one another up in moments of hardship, in moments of need, in moments when we don't feel like it, where you've got somebody who knows and is saying, come on, come on, you can keep going, let's go, don't stop. You've got to have those Christian cheerleaders around you who are helping you, be encouraged. Are you doing that and do you have that? Listen, I've been beyond blessed to have my brother Jeremy Kimball in my life uh, for the past nine years. And when I started at Cedarville, God just put him right in my life as my advisor right off the bat. And pretty early on, I knew we had a connection and th- that the Lord had, had really knit our hearts together. And uh, pretty early on, I-, I started just saying, hey, like I would love to start getting together. And he just said, let's do it, brother. And for years, meeting in his office, spending time, uh, He's even going with my fiance and I right now through some marriage counseling. What, what a blessing it is to have people in your life who know you on that kind of a level. We all need it. I was beyond blessed to have that. man. The relationship that God has fostered uh, with Pastor Jason for me this year has been a blessing from God. And I can't tell you the way that he has so lovingly shepherded me. Uh, we have an awesome pastor. Uh, but man, like... God puts these kinds of people in our lives in seasons and open yourself up to them. Turn around and be that for other people. Get into people's spaces. Open up your heart, your home, your life to people so that you can build others up. If you are simply living for yourself, you have not lived what it means to be a Christian. Interconnected relationships. Do it. Take a hold of it. In my mentorship times with Jeremy over, over the years, there were many times where I would articulate something and he'd be like, brother, it's not it. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta check that. Yep. And that's good. I needed that. We all need that. Man. And I want that for each one of you. Let me ask you these questions. Are are your words edifying? Are you being intentional with your building up when we gather as a church? How are you stirring others up to serve the Lord? This is intentional. This happens when we gather. This happens in your growth group. This happens in your women's or men's ministry. This happens when you get together with people on, in an informal Bible study. This happens if you're being mentored or mentoring. Listen, edify, encourage, build up. These are intentional actions that you have to step into And and proactively allow the richness of what God has done in your heart to overflow in love on other believers who so desperately need to know him. Open yourself up and ask God. Maybe you would say, Bryson, I hear you. I see it in the text. I get it, but it's hard. I, I get it. I know. Ask the Lord. Begin to pray. Ask the Lord to open up your heart that you would be able to get there. It's a journey. It's a journey for all of us. I want you to see a video this morning. And these are two awesome brothers who are both growth group leaders, and uh, I'm blessed to be able to oversee and organize all of our groups, and our growth groups are rocking. If you're not in a growth group, send me an email, talk to me after service. You need to be in one. Shameless plug, insert here, right? Um, Corey and Bradley have been meeting for a while, and I just want you to hear their story and the way that uh, that the Lord is is working in them uh, through this experience. And I want this for a lot of you as well. Check it out.
1: The Acts um, about how Paul and Barnabas and Timothy there are these people ahead of a stage at the same stage or at the stage behind in life, and just how important it is for having relationships of people of all ages. That was an area um, that I'd seen missing in my life. Uh, and so probably the last two years, uh, my wife and I have been praying for um, yeah, just an older man to uh, come into my life and um, sort of fill some of those gaps um, that I've experienced, but yeah. Older, not old. <laughs> I Older. older. Yeah.
2: It's, rel- it's relative. <laughs> Yeah, so actually, Phil Wing reached out to me and said, "Hey, we've got somebody who could use some discipleship, and he's just kind of been looking for something. and Would you consider it? I thought you might be a good match." And so said, "Yeah, let me pray about it." My wife, Christian, and I have been involved in different types of discipleship and ministry stuff through um, high schoolers and college age uh, people um, as we were younger, but now as we're getting older as well, it's kind of moved upstream and doing less high school and more young adult, that sort of thing. Even having three kids and a busy schedule, it's something that we wanna make sure that we prioritize in terms of uh, discipleship being one of those uh, core things that we make time for, uh, even if other things have to go. I think that there sometimes can be a pressure when you're in some sort of, you know, discipleship relationship to feel like, I've gotta have some sort of like framework or grand wisdom or something like that. When we first started meeting, a lot of it was just,
1: Let me just get to know you. When we first started meeting together, just a lot of humility. You shared your story and didn't leave parts out and just were really frank with me. And so then compelled me to, okay, well, here's mine. And there were a lot of common points of like, okay, wow, we have a lot in common. Like that's that's cool.
2: It's actually been pretty interesting and a lot of similarities, even in career and things like that, where we've been able to talk about work and structure and family life, having kind of the holistic approach to discipleship of trying to come alongside them in life and know what's going on and, and you know, how you can be involved and praying. And, and then too, it creates an, an increase in accountability for, for me to make sure that I am uh, engaging in all the areas that I need to be engaging in and growing in and being able to share uh, my own journey, my own progress and those things. And so, discipleship being not so much here are all things I've got figured out, but here's where I am and how I'm engaging and growing and learning. And it's also okay to say like, I don't know, or yeah. I struggle <laughs> with that too, or or whatever. Cause I think a lot of the a lot of issues come from isolation, right? And feeling like, oh, I can't be honest that I have this question or whatever it is.
1: You can go through life, just go to church and you know have your friends and I don't know, you can cruise and I feel like that's really common. In my pride, I could try to just keep doing what we're doing, you know, going to church, going to growth group, but I don't just want to like stumble through life. It challenges me to see, okay, there's people at the next stage who are not in cruise control with their kids. Like they're intentional with their family, still intentional with his wife, um, intentional with his work, and with the church. And it's really encouraging. Okay, yeah, we are going to keep running and we're going to keep uh, striving. And yeah, that's going to be our life. So. Don't approach it with a, you know, oh, let me meet with this
2: person and see how it goes, right, from from either side of the relationship. It's fine to, you know, get to know somebody and figure that out, but be committed to it. Iron sharpens iron, and so as much as you are discipling somebody and, and trying to sharpen them and be helpful, um, you'll find how the Lord is using it to, to sharpen you uh, in return.
1: We do growth in Christ better together.
2: Praise
0: God. Isn't that a neat story? Love it. And God can do that in your life. And uh, my heart breaks when there are Christians who are isolated, right? When we go through life and we don't know what to do and we don't have people who can really know us and be there. And our church so desperately wants to generate community for you. But ultimately we we can do all of this legwork to create spaces for it, but if you don't see the need, if you don't have the desire, it's it's just pedantics. It's going through motions. But if you in your heart this morning would say, I need this. I I have gone too long not opening up to people. Then listen, I, I want to urge you to do something about that. I want to urge you to number one, open up your heart that the Lord would do that. You know, the Lord would give you people in your life who become like your battle buddies. They're with you. Sometimes you just need to start trying. You need to start working to build relationships with people and see what the Lord might do. So what do you do if you're the child in the text being tossed around? How should you respond? I think number one is getting involved in a growth group, getting involved in various areas of our church. We have some awesome rocking classes that just started today. Maybe you need to go to Following Jesus 101 with Scott Dixon and just start digging in. You know, maybe you need to start opening up to some people around you about what's going on. What about the actual children in our church, right? We have kids who don't know right from wrong. How can you teach, train, and warn the next generation? Maybe you need to say, I've got the ability to serve in you kids. And I want to serve and stew men, or maybe just train even your own ch- children how to discern scriptural truth. We all need to be investing not just in the spiritual children, but our actual children in our lives, helping them to grow in their faith. Are you looking for these kinds of authentic relationships? We've got some amazing women's ministry involvements on the horizon. They've got A retreat coming up in a few weeks. The Titus 2 panel and these Bible studies are launching. Man, there's so much. If you say, man, I'm looking for women's community, it's here. It's here. Our men's breakfasts, awesome times of community and, and guys getting in each other's lives around tables on Saturday mornings. Man, come. Come. Get involved in a growth group. Both of those guys that you saw on the screen have awesome growth groups with powerful community and they're, they're in each other's lives they're doing it you can have that and I want that so, so much for you and I, I really think the Lord wants that in your life as well maybe you've never fully trusted your life to Christ and the thought of connecting with the church in these ways is confusing maybe you just need to initiate a conversation with myself, with one of our pastors, our staff members, about how you can meet Jesus today and why we value this community. So what will you do? Will you remain in isolated, disconnected religion? Or will you actively combat the self-sufficiency lies seeking to remove you from the Lord's saving graces often found in the voices of Christians around you. Don't remain estranged from community. Rather, grow together. Because we do growth in Christ better together. Let's pray. Lord, we, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the beauty of the church. Let us not tear down the church with our words, but allow us, Lord, to build one another up and to come into depth of community, Lord, to actively engage with one another. Pray that you would do this work in your people. God, we set up programs and strategize, but Lord, ultimately it's pointless if you don't show up in the hearts of men so, Lord, we pray just for authentic relationships here. We pray for an authentic body of believers that would love each other so well that the people from the outside would say, man, that church, they're doing it. They're loving Jesus well. Lord, do that work here at UBC. I pray for those this morning who are confused for those who are hurt, maybe those who have experienced so much church hurt, they don't know how to open up to anybody anymore. Pray that you would meet them right where they are. You would encourage them to trust you and not in the things that we so often place our hope in. Do this work in our church, Lord. In your name we pray.